In the holy name of Jesus, amen. My cell phone is ringing, and the caller ID says that it's that good, smart, pretty, kind Catholic girl who grew up across the street from me. Now she is a very accomplished attorney. But once upon a time, she was an honorary sister to my family, one with four boys and no girls. We haven't spoken much over the years, but as soon as I said hello, without a pause for catching up, she asked, how can a good God let my mother suffer and die like this? You all have that story to tell. It's my story too, and it's legitimate. This is the fifth Sunday of Easter. It is the season of the resurrection, and yet over the course of the last five weeks, the stories have been tenuous. The stone was rolled back, but the body was missing. St. John calls Jesus the light, but there's still darkness all around. The disciples are afraid. Thomas doubts. Jesus explains the scriptures as he comes to the disciples. He opens their minds, says the text, but as soon as he leaves, their minds snap shut again. Again this morning, there is much talk of love. By this we know that God loves us, that Jesus laid down his life for us. And last week we heard of Jesus, the good shepherd. But what does love mean if we are in pain? Because last week, Peter and the disciples were arrested for preaching, and this week, there is talk in the gospel of trimming and cleaning and pruning, all of which sounds terribly painful. So even if it is Easter 5 and this is the season of the resurrection, can somebody please tell me how a good God can let my mother or your mother or anybody's mother suffer and die like this? The question of suffering seems to dog the church. It usually doesn't make much sense to us, and for some it becomes a reason not to believe. So where is the answer? The whole thing, I think, turns on a single question. Is God trying to destroy me? If we can get the answer to that, then everything becomes clear. It's a very simple question. What does God intend for me? What is God doing? What is the end game? Is God trying to destroy me? Perhaps our struggle with suffering, especially in the lives of Christians after the resurrection, actually comes from something that we missed across the weeks of Easter. It was tucked away in a little margin comment last week from Eberhard Jungel. Yes, he says, the Easter stories tell of victory. However, it is significant that the description is not of a God who strides through the gates of death as a triumphal ark. The one who has been raised from the dead remains the crucified one, and the marks of his dominion which he will bear forever are the scars on his body. That gets us closer to an answer. 
In the simplest terms, it goes like this. The bottom line is that Jesus loves me and that Jesus loves each one of you. He loves us so much that he died for us innocently. He carried our sin and guilt and shame to the cross, and together there they all died. Jesus and sin and death and shame, they all died together. But on Easter, only Jesus rose. Risen from the dead, Jesus comes back to us, and he welcomes us into his new life. He draws us into his resurrected life. But this is the tricky part. What he was is not just wiped away when he dies. When Jesus is resurrected, he is not somebody different. He is not somebody other. The prophecy and the promises that Jesus fulfilled remain a real and full part of his life. So when Jesus invites all of us into that life, into that resurrected life, he invites us into everything that he is and everything that he does. Jesus still invites us, not only into his resurrection, but also into his suffering and death. He invites us into a life that is shaped like a cross. To be pressed into his life, to be pressed into Jesus' image, means that your life and my life, with all of our details and all of our specifics, are pressed into a mold that is shaped like a cross, and to be frank with you, not everything fits. The truth is, we are here today in church because we all have some bits of our lives, some bits of ourselves, that actually need to be trimmed back and snipped off. You and I have actually got a few things going on right now that we need to leave on this side of heaven. This morning as you come, are you angry? You cannot take that with you to heaven. Are you a liar? You go to hell for lying. Are you a miser? You might have heard a brilliant line from the funeral sermon of Cardinal George. The only thing we take with us when we die are the things we give away. That's genius. And so you see, across the course of our life on the vine, we get trimmed not to destroy us. God does not intend to destroy us. He intends to improve us, to make us better, stronger, more useful, more productive, more healthy, as a conduit for His divine love that is expressed through us to the world. This is only true, however, if we can say it not just when life is going well in the vibrant days after Easter. The full stretch of this is when we can say it as we suffer and even as we die, even as those whom we love suffer and die. How can a good God let me or my wife or my child or my mother suffer and die like this? We die as the final trim. It is the final cut. It is the final cleansing. 
knowing that on the other side of death is the perfect life of Christ. So here is my answer for that good, smart, pretty, kind Catholic girl who grew up across the street from me. Your mom is dying, but she is not destroyed. In fact, it is just the opposite. It is exactly as St. Paul says at the beginning of 1 Corinthians. Death is your great purge, where everything that is not of divine love is burned away. Everything that is not fit for heaven is left behind. The circumstances can be absolutely tragic. You can name them. Car crashes, gunshots, 9-11, beheadings on the beach, cancer, war, whatever it is. You can name them, and it can overwhelm us, and it can feel like injustice. It can feel like one more, one more sin, one more guilt, one more violence, one more destruction. But your flesh and mine have been joined to the flesh of Jesus. We saw it again this morning in baptism. Those children now joined to the flesh of Jesus. And they learn through his viva vox, his living voice, that calls us out of darkness into life. We will taste it in the Eucharist in just a moment, the body and blood of Jesus put into you. And there you are joined to Jesus, who is alive but still has a slash in his side and holes in his hands and feet. In Jesus we see that God did not mean to destroy us at all. Jesus always meant to enliven us, to refine us, to use us to bring us home again, to make us fully human. That is what Jesus intends for us. And though death is part of the way he brings us home, suffering and death are not the last word. Because in his suffering and death, death has died. And that, you see, is how a good God can let my mother suffer and die like that. And let me and let you suffer and die in the very same way. It is a welcome final trim. It is the final snip of a faithful Christian life that kills us and then resurrects us again to abide in Christ forever. That is the full story of Easter, and you and I need to hold on to every bit of it. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen.